I welcome you to Stony Brook, uh, especially if you're visiting with us today, both those online and those in person. Uh, my name is Pastor David Hoffman. I'm one of the pastors here at Stony Brook, and I bring you greetings on behalf of our entire staff, including our preacher for the day, Pastor Clara Kwan. And as we begin our time of worship together, we'd like, you, we'd like to know that you are worshiping with us. We invite you to fill out your connection card that you can find in your bulletin packet or online at stonybrook.church. Um, you can use this as a chance to register your attendance, share prayer concerns with us so that we can be praying for you during this week, and also register for upcoming events and ministry opportunities. Um, as you're filling that out, let me share a couple opportunities with you. It's the end of the summer, and with the cooler weather comes our annual churchwide uh, fall kickoff. This year it'll be on September 11th from 4.30 until 7. We'll have fun activities for all ages from kids zero to 100 and delicious food catered by City Barbecue. There'll be some information booths about the mission and ministries here at Stony Brook, including some of our mission partners. It's a great way for us to get together. Uh, we're expecting about 200 folks and we don't want you to be uh, left out, so we invite you to register. You can register today on your, um, again, on your connection card. And then also uh, another meal opportunity. Um, we're still doing the meals with the pastors. We're doing those through the month of October. We've already had uh, hosted 75 folks. So um, if you have been a part of the meals with the pastors, raise your hand. Um, so some of you, um, so if you've not yet signed up, you can sign up also on, on the back of your connection card. So um, it's a great opportunity for us to get to know you better and for you to share um, your uh, ideas and visions of Stony Brook. Also, our production ministry is seeking volunteers to help enhance our, our worship um, experience. Um, so a variety of opportunities offered, including running graphics, sound, or operating one of our cameras. We need uh, folks at all three services. So um, you're not signing up to be a part of it every Sunday. There is a calendar where you can pick and choose when you're available, but we invite you to do that. You can sign up using the QR code or by contacting the church office. And it is with celebration that I announce um, the birth of Addison Mae Keener, who was born um, this past Thursday. Uh, everyone is doing fine and they're at home and certainly we celebrate as a staff and as a congregation uh, with Garrett and Emily and Eli. Um, and invite you to reach out to them and share um, your good wishes. Friends, this truly is the day that God has given to us. I invite us now to be in work.
spirit as we join in this morning's call to worship. Reach out your hand and touch our mouths, O God. Reach out your hand and touch our minds, O Savior. Reach out your hand and touch our hearts, O Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us remain standing and sing this great hymn of our faith when morning gilds the skies. As our gospel lesson this morning looks at the healing of the bent over woman, we enter into a time of prayer as we understand our own um, need to be healed and our need to heal others. Let us pray. Gracious and holy God, there is no shortage, no shortage of the ways that we can help to heal your world. We just need the willingness to see them and the courage to act. So this day we pray for your inspiration and your strength to use the abilities and the resources that we have 
for the sake of those who need them. We pray for those of us who have plenty, plenty of wealth that can lift some out of poverty, plenty of power that that can influence the world toward justice and equality, plenty of relationships that can connect those who can help each other. Plenty of creativity that can inspire and challenge through new ideas and new visions. Plenty of time that can be used to feed the hungry, to provide rest for the weary, or to befriend the lonely. And we pray this day for all who need ordinary and gifted people to ease their grief, to ease their pain, to ease their trauma, to ease their need, and to ease their fear. And, oh God, do not let us rest until we have found a way to help as we may. Oh God, we place our trust in you, and we thank you for all of which you have blessed us this day. We ask that your presence continue to push and to challenge and and to, and to find opportunities that we can connect what we have to the needs of others. We pray that your spirit might fall mightily upon Pastor Clara as she shares with us your word, your grace, and your healing touch this day. Again, O oh God, use us. Use us in unexpected ways to bring healing to this world. And now, O oh God, listen. Listen as we are bold to join our hearts and voices together, practicing the unity that you would have as we join together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Let us listen now as Pat brings to us um, a sense that we cannot do anything in our lives but sing God's praises.
Thank you so much, Pat, for sharing with us your amazing gift. I read to you, um, our gospel lesson comes from Luke chapter 13, verses 10 through 17. Now he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath, and just then there appeared a woman with a spirit that had crippled her for 18 years. She was bent over and was quite unable to stand up straight. When Jesus saw her, he called her over and said, woman, you are set free from your ailments. When he laid his hands on her, immediately she stood up straight and began praising God. But the leader of the synagogue, indignant because Jesus had cured on the Sabbath, kept saying to the crowd, there are six days on which work ought to be done. Come on those days and be cured and not on the Sabbath day. But the Lord answered him and said, you hypocrites, does not each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox and his donkey from the manger and lead it away to give it water? And ought not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan bound for 18 long years, be set free from this bondage on the Sabbath day? When he said this, all his opponents were put to shame and the entire crowd was rejoicing at the wonderful things that he was doing. This is the word of God for all of God's children. Thanks be to God. Let us continue to respond to this word with singing.
So as we read our scripture this morning, we read this, and many of us would think that this is just another of Jesus' healing miracles. And while there is a woman who is healed, and there is much rejoicing, there's also a lot more going on here other than the healing. And so let me build this argument by showing you what the author of Luke and what his intentions were. If we turn back to the beginning of Luke in chapter 4, the author has Jesus stand up and read, a, read the scroll from Isaiah. And it would be Isaiah chapter 61 in our Bibles today. And so Jesus stands up in the synagogue and reads, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recover of the sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And so this is the theme, the thesis, if you will, of who Jesus is and what Jesus is doing as he is presented in the Gospel of Luke. And so when we compare that to what we read in chapter 13 this morning, we see what Jesus has done and what he says. Jesus says, Ought not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has bound for 18 long years, be set free from this bondage on this Sabbath day? And so this passage, while it is about healing, is also about Jesus releasing a captive about Jesus lifting up the one who is bent over, about letting an oppressed one go free. And there is more than one person being set free here. The obvious one is the woman. And so imagine seeing nothing but ground for 18 years, seeing nothing but feet, and likely feet that are walking away from you, hearing the whispered conversations, but not seeing the faces. And so imagine what 18 years of, do, of that will do to your thoughts, to your outlook, to your perspective on life, to your emotions. And yet this woman chose to go to the one place where hearing could bring her solace and comfort. She chose to go to the house of God the synagogue, to hear the word of God and to hear it preached. And then one day, she's called out to the front. A gentle hand is placed upon her, and suddenly, the world brightens up. She can look up and she can see. She can stand up straight and she can look up and shout praise to God. Not only can she look up, but now she can also look out. She finds that she's at the center of attention. And in the crowd around her is one person, a scowling synagogue leader. This synagogue leader starts instigating the crowd and saying that this is the Holy Sabbath. There are six other days in which you can work Come on one of those days and be healed. As someone in the Wednesday morning Bible study asked, who is the one that is really bent out of shape? 
The woman might have a, a physical crippling, a condition that forces her body to look down and to be looked down upon. But the synagogue leader and the crowd he's working has a mental crippling, a chaining of themselves and others to view healing as work, to view worship separate from love, and to view access to God as an exclusive right. And so Jesus heals the synagogue leader too, only he's not so gentle. You hypocrite. You free your beasts of burden from work on the Sabbath, so ought not a daughter of Abraham be freed as well. Jesus not only lifts up the woman physically, but he lifts her up socially. From being less than an animal, back into the family, equal with the men that she is surrounded by. And so Jesus sets the people free from captivity, from those captive to the rules set in place by those with power and privilege. Jesus lifts up the bent over, and Jesus makes straight the crooked. When we are bent over, when we are crippled by our circumstances, when we are crippled by doubt and anxiety, Jesus places a gentle hand upon us and lifts us up. And praise God because Jesus is the one who saw the woman first, called her over. Praise God that God sees us even when we can't see God. And what about those of us who are not bent over, who are not crippled by circumstances? What about us who enjoy power and privilege and wealth? Most of us don't like to admit that we have those. Because if we did, we'd also be forced to recognize that with our power and privilege comes responsibility for them. For us, Jesus has a word as well. When all is going well and all is right with the world, what happens when something different or someone different comes and interrupts that? I imagine for the synagogue ruler, that is what Jesus and this woman is doing. They are interrupting the right way of doing things. I mean, imagine, imagine witnessing this miracle. You can't get more obvious than a bent-over woman being able to stand up straight. It is a miraculous healing. And so do you imagine that the crowd is going to be sitting still? Picture a reverent and holy place erupting with discussion and exclamation, a hysterical woman praising God up front, an uneducated carpenter from the wrong end of town teaching the people. So it's not hard to imagine that the synagogue ruler saw his holy and sacred place turning into some sort of circus. Too bad the synagogue ruler missed the mark. Because worshiping God is not only about the right behaviors and right rituals. It's not only about a somber and serious atmosphere. Some of us lament the lack of reverence on Sundays and at church nowadays. And I agree to that to a certain degree. I grew up in a culture 
where when you prepare your offering, you iron your bills crisp, place them in the envelope, and offer the envelope with two hands. I have friends in Korea that serve in churches who have strict dress codes. Their male staff are required to be in suits, and their female staff are required to be in skirts and jackets. And if they're not, it's not proper worship. Do we really think that that's what God cares about? What is the true heart of worship? What is God's true heart? In our scripture reading this morning, Jesus shows us what is the heart of worship, where the heart of God is, and the heart of God is love. Love he demonstrated when he freed that woman from captivity. The heart of worship is not just about the rules and the procedures, but it is about focusing on God and where God is looking. And where is God looking? He's looking at us. He's looking at our community. He's looking at the world that is suffering, that is bent over and hurting, and is kept there and chained there, crippled by crooked values and perspectives of a world that has rebelled against Jesus. That's where God is looking. That is where God's heart is. And so let me close with this last point. All of this hullabaloo starts on the Sabbath. This healing is made incredibly powerful, and Jesus' words hit a critical point because of what the Sabbath is truly about that the Sabbath was practiced as a reminder of what was meant to be, that is, resting in the Garden of Eden. Of how God placed Adam and Eve in the Garden when all was done so that they could enjoy it with God. But having been kicked out for rebelling against God, God gave them the practice of Sabbath. After toiling for six days, and remembering that it is still God who provides, for one day we stop. And just because we've stopped doesn't mean the world has stopped. Because the world is in God's hands. And so the Sabbath was a practice of faith in God. It was a remembrance and a looking forward to when we would return to that peace and rest in the garden. For us who believe in Jesus, we are looking forward to when Jesus comes again to make all things like new. And so for this woman, who was bent over and bound by a crippling spirit, freed on the Sabbath, freed from toil, freed from heartache, freed from suffering on the day that it was meant to recall when things were perfect with God, of course, she praised. She praised God with all that she had, and that is what Sabbath is truly about, what worship is about, what church is about. Praising God because we have been set free and then reaching out and lifting up others to heal and to set free. Church is about being a community, a gathering of believers, where we are to be a preview of Jesus' kingdom to come. 
That kingdom to come will be a place of no more suffering, of no more tears, a place that is beautiful for all of the diversity that is in it. That's why Jesus healed on the Sabbath, why it was imperative for him to heal on the Sabbath. Because the Sabbath is a preview of that future to come. This is the healing that Jesus offers to us to free us from the bounds and the chains, from crippling perspectives and thinkings that cripples us and cripples others. It is a healing that we are called to imitate through our relationships, through our time together here and in the community. This is the heart of worship. This is the heart of God. Let us pray. O compassionate God, we praise you. For you saw us and you called us over, healed us and lifted us up, even when we couldn't see you. And now that we have been lifted up and strengthened, we pray with the same courage and ability, the same strength to lift up others. Give us your heart, a heart of worship, a heart that looks out and does not see the interruptions of life, not as a nuisance, but those interruptions as an opportunity to minister to serve, to heal, and to lift up. We pray that you would transform us, that we might be more like Jesus, that you would strengthen our hands to reach out and to heal a bent-over and suffering world. Bless us. Open our eyes to see as you see. We lift these things to you in Jesus' name. Amen. The offering is a time of worship where what we have intersects with the needs of the world. It's a time where we're asked to make a greater commitment uh, to serving Christ. One of those ways is uh, to... Um, to commit further is to become a member of Stony Brook, and we are in the midst of hosting a new member class which will take place on Sunday, September 25th from 1230 uh, to 230 in the afternoon. If you'd like to know more about what it means to be a United Methodist or what it means to join uh, Stony Brook, you're invited uh, to be a part of that class. You can sign up on your connection card, um, or you can also uh, speak to the church office and we'll get you signed up. Another way that we are asked to commit is to look forward, um, look forward into the future. And one of the ways that we do that here at Stony Brook is, uh, is through our endowment fund. Um, and we have another video uh, to conclude our endowment emphasis this month. Um, I invite us to watch this video. Good morning. My name is Tom Hoffman, and I've had the privilege of chairing the endowment committee here at Stony Brook Church for the past several years. Before I get started with some comments, I want to have three thank yous. 
first, I want to thank the Giles uh, family and also thank the Daubenmeyer family for sharing their thoughts the past few weeks about the, how they view endowment and what it can do for Stony Brook for the years to come. I also want to thank our, our very strong endowment committee that's worked so hard the past few years uh, to help get this program off the ground and now reach over well over $100,000 that's in the fund. But that's only happened because of many of you who have been donors, so I want to thank you uh, where you've donated in uh, the past couple of years to help this program get off the ground. This week, you received in the mail uh, a mailing with several items. Uh, the first is our endowment brochure. Uh, this is probably the best go-to piece for any information you have about the endowment program, how it's invested, uh, and everything about it. Secondly, along with that letter in that mailing, you received the giving envelope. This is a way you can support, and if you want to give any amount, a dollar and up, to any one of the established funds, you can do that through the envelope. You can also go online to stonybrook.church, uh, and the five funds are listed there uh, for your uh, convenience to make a gift that way. Also, what's mentioned in the, the brochure and the letter is if you have interest in leaving uh, Stony Brook Church in your estate plan or the endowment in your estate plan, uh, you have a box you can check or folks you can contact for that information. Thank you again for those that have supported, for those that will support in the future. Uh, the endowment fund, as, as Pat Giles said in his uh, message, is that Johnny Appleseed effect for the future here at Stony Brook Church. Thank you so much. Endowment Committee for um, shepherding and stewarding our gifts into the future. Uh, members of the Endowment Fund will be in the narthex if you have any further questions. Friends, it is now our opportunity to give back to God a portion of what God has entrusted to our care. I invite the ushers to wait upon us as we offer our tithes and our offerings this day.
Almighty and most merciful God, from you comes every good and perfect gift. We give you praise and thanks for your healing mercies. Your goodness has created us. Your bounty has sustained us. Your patience has borne us. Your love has redeemed us. Give us a heart to love and serve you and enable us to show our thankfulness for all your goodness and mercy by giving up ourselves to your service and cheerfully submitting in all things to your blessed will. We pray all of this through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen.
everlasting love of God, our Creator, and the abundant grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior, and the healing power of the Holy Spirit heal you and be with you as you go forth from here to heal others. Amen.